Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. Some of you are, th- are struggling with temptation or you're worried that you may succumb to a temptation in your life. And you're thinking like, oh man, I just hope that doesn't happen again. I hope I don't fall to that again. I hope I don't backslide. But here's what God has promised you when it comes to those temptations. He said, I promise you that you will not have to go through more than you can bear. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 10. You will not have to go through more than you can bear. But when you do, I will even still, when you have to go through temptation, I will still give you a way out. He's promised us that. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. Everyone has heroes growing up, and even in adulthood. It is these heroes that often can do things we wish we could do. They have a popularity that we can only dream about. When it comes to our relationship with God, He doesn't want us to only have heroes of this world, but also heroes of faith. In this series, we will be studying a portion of the Bible in Hebrews 11 that is known as the Heroes of Faith chapter. This chapter is full of stories of men and women who had an extraordinary faith in God. While they were not perfect, they were faithful. As we study their stories, we will learn how we can be faithful as well. Please enjoy the message. Heroes. We have heroes in all areas of our life, in our families, in our communities, uh, with the government, uh, and even in sports we have heroes, especially here in Denver. And so I want to play a game with you. I'm going to show you a picture and and what I'd like you to do is just shout out the sports person, this person, whoever it is, all right? So I'll show you the picture, and then you tell me who it is. We'll see how well, uh, how, how well you are up to speed on the top sports stars here in the Denver area from the past, from the past. And so here's a picture. All right, I didn't say it'd be hard. I didn't say it'd be hard. Uh, but, but it does get a little progressively harder, perhaps, for some of you. I don't know. Dikembe Mutombo, Dikembe Mutombo. He played for a few different teams, but his best years, in my opinion, were by far with the Denver Nuggets. Here's another guy. Patrick, yeah, Patrick Waugh, or Roy, as we like to affectionately call him here in Denver. But Patrick Waugh, he won two Stanley Cups here here in uh, the Denver, uh, playing for the Avalanche. A Hall of Famer, incredible player. And then this guy. Larry Walker, yeah, Larry Walker. Um, we'll get the lights back on in a second. I don't know what's going on with that. Anyway, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Uh, this remote cannot control the lights. Um, Larry Walker, now this. <laughs> you know, but having said that, there are a lot of sports heroes here in the Denver area. But this last one, I mean, it's been said a picture's worth a thousand words. And, you know, here, you can check this guy out. There you go. Hey, if you don't know Gene, he's the former pastor here at the church. He's still on staff with us. And he is definitely uh, one of our heroes, one of our heroes. And so, like I said, we have heroes in many areas of our lives. And that should especially be true with our faith. And we have heroes of faith that we interact with, that we connect with on a daily, maybe on a weekly basis, monthly basis, sometimes even daily basis. But as you dig into the Bible, you find that there are also heroes there that we're going to, as we look into Hebrews chapter 11, that we're going to be encouraged to understand better why it is that they were considered a hero of the faith and what we can learn from them in regards to our faith. Now, having said all of that, the key question that we have to ask ourselves
ourselves now at the beginning as we set up this whole series over the next several weeks is, what is faith? If I were to pass around index cards to all of you right now, I would get, I mean, I, we maybe have, I, I'm not sure how many people we have in this room, but we would get dozens of different answers as to what exactly faith is. It's one of those things that we just don't define very consistently when it comes to in Christianity. And so I have a picture here of this guy. His name's Pastor Coots. And he was a part of the show, maybe you saw it, Snake Salvation. It was on television a few years ago, and as the, the uh, picture here shows, one of the demonstrations of their faith, you might even say definition of their faith, was having the ability to pick up a snake, which is, ugh, pick up snakes. And they took literally that command in Mark chapter 16 to take up snakes. And they said this about what it is that he is doing there. The serpent handlers believe that they have been commanded by God to take up snakes, which serves as a sort of spiritual litmus test of faith, as those blessed by God will remain unharmed. Unfortunately, though, for Pastor Coots, he would end up being bitten by one of the snakes. And sadly, uh, he would pass away. He would lose his life uh, because of that. And they released this statement um, after his death. Those risks were always worth it to him. And his congregants were and his congregants as a means to demonstrate their unwavering faith. And so for them, that's how they defined what faith is. As we talk about what faith is, though, we've got to talk about what it's not. And I would say that this is probably a little bit too maybe focused of a definition on what exactly faith is. I don't want to judge them for this, but I, I don't know if that's exactly what it is. I, I don't believe so. And for many of us, you know, faith, the way we define faith is not accurate. For some of you, Faith is just this thing that you do on Sunday mornings. It's listening to, hopefully you can engage me for a few minutes in the sermon. It's singing a few songs. But when you leave here, you leave your faith here at church. Or faith is this thing that you do for the most part every day of your life, except when you go on vacation, you go to on spring break, a spring break trip somewhere, you go out for a night on the town, and you leave your faith at home then because you don't want faith to really mess up a good time that you're going to have. And maybe for some of you, faith is this thing that you used to have. It's this thing from the past. It's this thing that was, uh, that was a part of your childhood, but it's not really a part, of the, a part of your life now. And so you really struggle to define it because it's just something that you can't measure. It's not something that you can quite attach yourself to. It's not as, uh, it's not as concrete as you would like it to be. And so how do you define what faith exactly is? Well, again, we've got to talk about what it's not. One thing that faith is not is faith is not a force. And often we approach faith like it's Star Wars. Like it's this thing that if we just tap into it, we can lasso God and we can get him to do whatever it is that we want and we can control the universe. We, we, we approach faith like it's a force. It's not a force. Faith is not a feeling either. It's not goosebumps, butterflies, tears. At times our faith can elicit emotions in us, but that is not what faith is. Faith is not a formula either. Faith is not pray two times, attend church, go do a service project, do a good deed for somebody else, say another prayer, and then God will do whatever you want. Faith isn't um, that either. And so what exactly is faith? Well, Hebrews 11 thankfully defines it very succinctly. And what, how we're going to define faith is really important because some of you come in here today and your faith, you're hanging by a thread with your faith. Like you're almost thinking about giving up on Jesus altogether. And the reason that you're thinking about giving up, in my opinion, my experience has been, more often than not, we have misdefined what faith is. 
And we've made it something that it's not. And as a result of that, people are thinking about just giving up. And here's how Hebrews 11 defines faith. Now, faith is, okay, so this is what faith is. The assurance, the guarantee, the promise, the certainty, really important. Faith is an assurance, okay, of things hoped for. Do you notice the distinguishment there between faith and hope? The Apostle Paul once said, and these three will remain, faith, hope, and love. But what do we do? We often interchange the term faith and hope, and we basically make them the same things. And biblically speaking, they're not. And so why is that important? Because many of you are hoping that you will get the job that you're applying for or that you're up for promotion for. You're hoping that this, this, this sell of your house, you're able to sell it for as much money as you want, and you're able to, the contract that you got on the next house, all that's going to work out. You hope that you're going to have your first child or your second child or your third child. You hope that your child is going to, to grow up to be who it is that you are dreaming for them to be. You hope for these things. And when they don't happen, and we all have examples of those things not happening, well, God must not be there. God must not care about me. God must be so distant that he wants nothing to do with me, that he just created all of this and just let it go. But that's where we go wrong. Because these things that we hope for, we haven't been given a promise that they're actually going to happen. And so what you have to start with is, what are the promises that God has actually given us? And then we work from there. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope this broadcast is doing just that for you today. You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we would love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. And do you want to know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed by a local church. Because it is here that we met Jesus, and He changed our lives. And we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We'd love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com, for more information. Now let's get back to our program. And we realize that there are things that we ought to hope for. We ought to dream of these positive outcomes, no doubt about it. But our faith shouldn't be contingent on those things happening. That is, a, I mean, this is just, that is a massive truth that you have to understand. If you don't, you will struggle with your faith, no doubt about it. Faith is the assurance of something that is hoped for, the conviction of the things not seen. Because once you see it, it's not faith anymore, it's fact. And far too many people are like Thomas. You, know, you remember Thomas from one of the disciples? That he didn't believe until, he said, I'm not going to believe until I put my fingers into his side and I touch his hands and I see the, the scars that are there. And then Jesus said to him, Thomas, you believe because you've seen, okay? Blessed are those, more blessed are those who have not seen and yet will believe. That is what faith is, and that is where the blessing resides. Let me illustrate it for you this way. This past week, I had dinner with a friend of mine. We had um, 
we, we had texted, we had called each other, and he promised me. He said, on Tuesday at 5 p.m., I'm going to show up, for your ha- show up at your house, and we're going to go out to eat. He gave me a guarantee, a certainty that he was going to be there. And so at 4.30, 4.45, 4.50, I wasn't worried that he was going to show up because I had faith that he was going to be at my house because he gave me a promise. He gave me a guarantee that he would be there. And sure enough, Tuesday, 5 p.m., he shows up at my house. We go out to dinner. We have a great time. But imagine if I was at my home at 4.30 and I was saying, well, I sure would like to have dinner with my friend Jamin. I hope he shows up. I hope he shows up. I hope he shows up. And I just sit there and I'm like, I hope he comes. I hope he comes. I hope he comes. But there's no promise. There's no guarantee. Him and I have never talked. We never texted. We never called each other. I hope. I hope. I hope. And then when he doesn't show up, I'm like, well, he must not exist. Well, that's silly. And that's what many of our faith unfortunately, has been reduced to. We have to attach ourselves to the promises that God has given us and allow our faith to rest in them. You know what God has promised you? He's promised you that you're going to have hard times. Jesus said, in this world, you'll have trouble. And those hard times can actually produce maturity in us, as James 1 tells us. But here's the other thing about the hard times. We can attach ourselves to this promise, that he will work all things out for the good of those who love him. That's the promise you need to attach yourself to. And then you have to trust that in his sovereignty, he knows what that good is better than we do. Some of you are are struggling with temptation, or you're worried that you may succumb to a temptation in your life. And you're thinking like, oh man, I just hope that doesn't happen again. I hope I don't fall to that again. I hope I don't backslide. But here's what God has promised you when it comes to those temptations. He said, I promise you that you will not have to go through more than you can bear. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 10. You will not have to go through more than you can bear, but when you do, I will even still, when you have to go through temptation, I will still give you a way out. He's promised us that. And you know when your faith gets stronger? It's when you realize these promises exist, and then they actually start happening. Like, I had no doubt that Jamin was going to show up at my house on Tuesday at 5 p.m., Because he has shown me that he is that reliable again and again and again and again. Like he's always come through on his promises and his guarantees. But the people that we struggle with in life, the ones that we don't have faith in, are the ones that don't do that, that can't do that, that never give us a promise. And God has given us hundreds, if not thousands of promises in the Bible that we can attach ourselves to. And that is where your faith should be based. Faith is the assurance of something that is hoped for, the conviction of something that is not yet seen. And so with that foundation, what is it that we learn about Abel? Well, let's see what Hebrews chapter 11 says about Abel's faith. By faith, Abel, who was the son of Adam and Eve, brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was committed as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. Now this passage says several seemingly odd things that he's speaking even though he's dead and it's this competition of who can bring the best offering but God still commended him and so what exactly are we supposed to draw from this verse these sentences about faith well we have to go back to Genesis and my hope is that as we go through this series what you're going to find is that you will have a greater confidence in the Bible because you'll see how the New Testament attaches to the Old Testament and you're also going to see how your faith, how their faith can encourage your faith and you're going to see how it all comes together into this wonderful, beautiful story. It's a story of a creator God who is pursuing his prized creation with his never-ending, never-giving-up, always-and-forever love that is meant to redeem you back to himself. 
And so we go back to Genesis 4. And now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. So Abel's the shepherd, Cain is the farmer. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. So the key word there is some. Okay, he basically brings them the leftovers. And Abel also brought an offering. Fat portions. In other words, he brought extra. He, bought the, he brought the best part from some of the firstborn of his flock. He didn't hold out to wait and see which ones would come later on down the road. He started with the firstborn. He didn't know how the rest of them were going to be. He starts, with, he starts at the beginning. Whenever the first one comes out, that's what he gives God from. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? And so why is Cain angry? Abel has made him look bad. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. I know it has been to others. I recently received a message from a listener of ours who said, Thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. It is encouraging and refreshing to hear biblical-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. This is one of the several notes that I've received from people that are blessed by our program. That is why we want to continue this program on the radio, but that can only happen through the generous contributions of listeners like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website, valleyviewcc.com, and then click on the Give tab there. Once you click on the tab, just designated gift to go to the radio ministry of Hope for the Day. Your gift would be an incredible blessing to this ministry. And as always, we want to meet you personally as well. That is why if you live in the Denver metropolitan area, we want to extend an invitation to you to visit us in person at one of our Sunday services, 9 and 10.30 a.m. If you do, please introduce yourself to me, Philip Holland. I'd love to meet you. Now let's get back to the program. It's like this online class that I'm taking over at the Denver Seminary. And let me just tell you something. If, if at all possible, avoid online classes with like, your just don't do it. It sounds easy. It's not. It's more reading, more work. I mean, more learning of, of how to make technology work for you than you could possibly imagine. Avoid it uh, to your last breath. Don't do online classes unless you absolutely have to. So one of the, one of the aspects of this online class is that you have to go on and introduce yourself. So I go to this forum, I introduce myself to the rest of the class. Um, I'm the first one. I want to get this assignment done, move on to the next assignment, start working on that stuff. I've, I've got a lot to do. So the professor gives us three questions. I answer the three questions, 50 words or less, I'm out of there, I'm done. But you have to go back and interact with a few of the people in the class, and you read what it is that they write, and then you write some things about what it is that they write, and I don't know. You kind of pretend like you care, but well, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> it's supposed to build rapport, but we're all thinking the same thing. At any rate, I go back, and these people, like, you would have thought that they were Shakespeare, what they write. Like, I write five, 50 words, they write 500 words. I mean, you got first names, last names, middle names of everybody in their family. They're talking about what they did in their childhoods and why it is that they're doing what they're doing now. It was incredible, the stuff that I'm reading. And I became angry. I was a little frustrated. Why? Because they made me look bad. I by far, by far wrote the, left, the least amount of anybody in the entire class. It wasn't even close. I, I mean, you know, I'm filling in gaps in these other forums trying to like, well, let me tell you a little bit more about myself. What was the problem? 
Well, I'm trying to impress this professor. I'm trying to get favor from this professor. I want a good grade from this professor. And these people have made me look bad. And I'm frustrated. And who am I really frustrated at? Not them. I'm really frustrated at myself because I did the bare minimum that I had to do, burned through the assignment, and then as a result of that, I ended up looking bad. And that's what Cain does here. He does the bare, absolute minimum, and God looks at him and says, he doesn't look at it. I was like, I, he says, I don't look at this with favor. This isn't good. You waited until all your crops came in. You gave me the absolute last that you could offer me. You wanted to make sure everything for yourself was taken care of before you wanted to honor me with anything. You just gave me some. And so God warns him that if you do what's right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were there in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel, and he killed him. And Abel loses his life. And so what is it that we learn about faith in regards to this? Well, let's go back to Hebrews chapter 11, and let's reread that portion of Scripture that we looked at a moment ago. By faith, Abel brought a better offering than Cain did. And so Abel, he brought what was first, Cain brought what was left. And that's the lesson in faith that we learn here, is that we need to give God what's first, not what's left. And, and if you've got kids or grandkids, and they've given you something, like, you probably know what I'm talking about. Because you, you know where the, the tension is here. Because like my, my, my children, they'll be eating a hamburger, and they will eat the entire burger except for two little pieces of bread. There won't even be meat left in it. And they'll say, here, Dad, you can have this. I don't want that. I, I don't want it. Why, why are you giving this to me? Or, or they'll, we'll be eating and, and um, they'll, they'll run out of water or something like that. And they don't really run out. They just spill it. And so then they spill their drink and then they want my drink. And so I'm like, fine, here, you can have my drink. And, and I'm thinking that they're just going to take a drink. But then they drink the whole thing or most of it. And then they give it back to me. And when they give it back, there's just like a little bit left. And, and then they've got some water and nuggets and um, french fries floating around in there as well and they're like I don't we they're, they're saying we don't want to drink this and then they're trying to give me that I don't want their nuggets and fries that's soaked in water or my daughter she's so cute and she'll walk around our backyard eating her ice cream sandwich or her ice cream cone and and it'll be so good and scrum diddly umptious and she's wandering around eating but then it melts and it starts melting all over her hand and then all of a sudden she decides I don't want it anymore and so she gives me what's left and I'm looking at it, and I'm saying, I don't want this. This is just sugary milk. I don't, why, why are you giving this to me? I don't want this. Who wants what's left? Nobody. Nobody really wants that. And that's the lesson here, is that we want to honor God. We want to give him what's first. Not just the sum that might be left over in the end. I've talked to many people. I've experienced this several times especially when it, when it comes to the time that we have in life. That people won't get serious about their faith in Jesus until the last few months of their life. And there's a man named Raymond, I'm, I'm specifically thinking of. He came to our church that I was at. Um, this was several years ago. It was a different church. And he had a tumor, a large tumor on his face. And, and he was very devoted. And he, he, we prayed for healing. We hoped for healing. It didn't come. And, and he passed away. Um, and he's with Jesus now. I don't have any doubts about that. But as I interacted with Raymond, I realized there was just so much of life that he didn't experience because he just gave God what was left. 
Jesus said, I have come that you would have life and have it to the full. And when I looked at Raymond and I heard his story, I realized there was just a lot of life that he never lived to the full. The challenge for you is not to give God what's left of your life. Wherever you're at, you just got to start now. Give him what's first with what you have right now. Don't wait until you've got a few months left to live to get serious about Jesus and your devotion to God. It's true with our talents as well. And I've seen this. Many people would say, oh, I would love to go on a mission trip or I would love to serve more at the church, but I just, my health doesn't allow it. And these, these talents, these skills, these gifts that they were given, they used for themselves, honestly. And they would say the same thing. And now they just wish that they could serve or they could help the children or they could help the students or they could do something else at the church or they could do something else for the Lord. They wish that they could do that, but their health just doesn't allow it anymore because they didn't want to give them what God was first. They wanted to give them what was left. And yes, it's true with our money as well that we want to, you know, we want to give God some, give him a little bit here and there. One day we pass away, and many of you, this will be the case, you'll have tens of thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe even millions of dollars. And you'll pass away with that money, and good for you, good for you. And all of your life, you never had peace. To learn more about this sermon, sermon series, or other messages, please visit our church's website at valleyviewcc.com. You can also find these radio segments on the Hope for the Day, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Valley View Christian Church is located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85, Santa Fe. We provide services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. This broadcast is made possible through generous contributions of listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to our church's website and then click on the Give tab there. We look forward to having you join us again next time on Hope for the Day.